Hello, and welcome to the B-Team Podcast. Uh, we're going to try something a little different tonight. Uh, with me is Brendan Krause. Hello. And we are doing what I believe would be the first ever book review that we yeah. have on our air. Uh, 307 shows in, we're trying a book review. <laughs> what the hell? Um, it is sort of movie-related, I guess. We are In a way. To, yep, we are going to be reviewing... Uh, Eat two by Michael Mann and Meg Gardner. Um, so I guess we can talk about for starters. I guess we can talk about. I mean, do you know anything about the like the reasoning why this was a book rather than uh, trying to get a sequel movie made? I would think, given that you know the original film was a Best Picture nominee and all that, that it wouldn't be all mm-hmm. that hard to sell a studio on a follow up. So, from my understanding. The way Michael Mann described it was that when he writes his movies, he'll always write, you know, besides the script, just like for him personally and to share with the actors, like he'll write down the characters' backstories and he'll like share it with the actors as they're making the movie to like kind of, you know, in his mind, help the actors better get a sense of who this character is and stuff like that. And so he had already had written, you know, this is where. Chris and everyone, they all come from Hannah, what they were doing before the events of Heat. And then I guess, from my understanding, it was just as simple as he, you know, Heat's, I've always gotten the sense, you know, of all of Michael Mann's movies, Heat's the one he cares about the most, you know, most see it as his, kind of his masterwork. Yeah. And uh, I think it was just, yeah, he wanted to continue the story. Um, I think from a practical standpoint, he knew for certain he could get a book made. Um, you know, getting a movie made, obviously, much harder. And, you know, th- there would be so many things like, you know, most of the actors, they're probably too old to be playing the same characters at this point. You know, do you recast? You know, who do you get for the younger version, etc.? cetera? Um, yeah, then all the stuff with Kilmer would be tough. Yeah, I mean, Val Kilmer, I mean, he, I mean, he couldn't play Chris again, obviously. Um, I mean, Al Pacino, he's like, what, 80-something now at this point? I, I doubt he'd be playing Hannah. No, yeah, um, you're right. It's, if it was supposed to be, because most of the book is set in the late 80s, so... Yeah, and, and, he, and the sequel parts are only late 90s and 2000, so yes. five years later. Yeah, I mean, yeah. De Niro, I mean, he's, what, I'm pretty sure in his 80s, too. I mean, he's definitely not playing young Neil. Nope. Um, which actually, fun fact: Michael Mann did say he wanted uh, Timothy Chalamet to play young Neil <laughs> if Whoa. he ever made Heat Two into a movie. Well, which I'll be honest, I mean, good actor, but having a hard time picturing that one. <laughs> I I can't see him. I mean, I like him too in a lot of things, but I can't see him having the same weight that De Niro mm-hmm. brought to that brought to that character at all. Um, he just doesn't have the. I mean, he has. He has screen presence in a different way than De Niro does. That works yes, for, definitely. That works for the kind of movies that he does. But you couldn't convince me that he was Neil Macaulay in a sequel film in any way. Yeah, whatsoever. totally agree. Um, Especially yeah, Neil's such an iconic character. <laughs> yep, I I made a mistake though, and I feel like I should have done this. Like, uh, I think we both. I read this last week, and um, unfortunately, I know you would. You had 
bought it physically and and read it before me, I think, but then I use a Barnes and Noble e reader and they didn't release it <laughs> until last week. Or like oh, right, okay. right, right before Labor Day. So I had mm-hmm. to I took me a little bit longer to get to it. But um I was actually kind of confused by and I mean, I don't know how much how much we want to spoil because it hasn't been out that long and I know sometimes it takes people longer to get to books. Um uh I I was kind of confused by the not the parallel track nature of it because it's kind of split into three sections with uh Hannah and Chris and Neil weirdly uh which is where I was confused because this book is sold as a sequel and he's like dead and stuff so I was kind of confused of like how is this a sequel if a third of the book is going to be him like that doesn't make any sense to me, um, but you know it plays out in a certain way that does make sense by the time you get to the end of it, and we can decide how much of the actual plot we want to get into. But um, mm-hmm. I did enjoy it. It took me probably about half of it to figure out where all the because the the three tracks are sort of like vaguely connected until you get to the last. Hundred pages of the show where so where they just kind of start barreling towards each other. Um, yeah, definitely agree. So it took me a little while to figure out. Okay, there is like a. I I thought for the first half of it, it was just like these three rambling plot lines that man had in mind for the sequel, where they were never going to hit each other. And it was just like, okay, well, this is kind of interesting. Yeah, it, you can't. You got to tell me where this is going, and then by the time I got to like the last. 100, 150 pages, I was like, oh, now it makes sense, okay. Um, what I should have done, though, is I should have watched the original movie first. Um, oh, it would have I did me. do that before I read it, yeah. Because yeah, it would have helped me remember, it's probably been a couple, I, you know, it's something I watch every couple of years, um, mm-hmm. but it's probably been a couple of years since I watched the original last, um, and it might have helped with this if I had done that. So, if I ever reread it, I will definitely do that. And I should just watch it again on principle. Um, okay, so yeah. I, guess, I guess the next question is, uh, how much of the plot do we want to get into? I mean, I guess we could just um, say... We could just I say, think, like, obviously not going to spoil, like, you know, does this character die? Does he live? Does she live? Et cetera. But, like, you know, say well, kind of what they're doing. I, I do think we, in order to, like, get into it, we do have to spoil, like, as you were alluding to, what kind of connects the three plots, because I feel like it's impossible to almost review the ending without getting into that. We, you know, we don't have to say how it why ends. Don't but... we, why don't we do what Justin did? I don't know if you listened to the review that Justin just did on Clerks 3. Um, I haven't gotten a chance yet. I, I, I can't put, like, I don't know how, like, he did something on Anchor where he put some little, like, sound blip in between two parts of it. I'm not going to do that. But uh, he sort of put a spoiler break in. Um. So why don't we just do that? So I'll just say right now, you know, we. Why don't you give your uh, non-spoiler thoughts on it, in case somebody okay. does, doesn't want to listen past this point. Yeah, non-spoiler thoughts. I really, really liked it. I would say I just about loved it. Um, Michael Mann, you know, he's one of the best to ever do it, especially when it comes to crime dramas. And I think Heat Two is a is it like, you know, if we're asking, did it need to be made? I would say no, but I would say it without question, 
adds to this world and these characters in a way that makes sense and is like rewarding to read. Um, it's very well structured, I think, and the way kind of like how you were saying the opening, John, how it all starts to come together once you realize what the connecting thing is. It's very well done, in my opinion. Um, the new characters that they add in are all quite memorable, and I think the strongest parts for me are the dialogue, um, especially especially Hannah's dialogue. I can just, the way he writes out, it's like, wow, I can just picture in my head perfectly, like Pacino playing this character, saying it in whatever tone man's going for. Yep, um, so yeah, I really, thought. yeah. Yeah, for me, I think Hannah's, Chris is probably, I, you would probably say Chris is like the main character, quote unquote, but Hannah is probably my favorite character in the book. I think man just nails every line of dialogue for him, especially when he's like interrogating people. It's like he just perfectly captures what he was doing in the original film. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Yeah. I, I thought, yeah, that uh, the Hannah character was the closest to like the one where I could most easily, like you said, hear Pacino in my head doing the dialogue as I was reading it. Um, okay, so now that we had that out, um, why don't I just say right here, if you have not read this book and you don't want to be spoiled by this, we're going to give you a five count, and uh, at which point we're going to um, continue speaking about the book with uh, full spoilage. So, one, two, three, four, five. You've been warned. Okay. Um, so, do you want to do the plot? I feel like you might handle it a little better than me. Uh, yeah, sure. So, um, Heat 2... <laughs> yeah, we're basically following three plot lines. The first one, and you could argue main one, is Chris. And it's following him after the events of Heat. Nate, who, for those who don't remember, was played by John Voight in the original. He gets Chris out of the country following you know everything that happened in Heat 1. And he lands him in Paraguay, and he's working with this family who I was trying. I was looking through my book trying to remember. I can't remember their last names. I was. It was either the Chens or that was the rival family. But he was, but, he was working for the Lu family. The Chen. The Lu family. Yes. Yeah. That the Chens were the enemy, correct? Yes. I I knew they were one. Okay. Yes. He's working for this family called the Lu family. They're this uh, Asian family who deal in uh, guns and things along. You know, just your typical you know crime family basically you know running fronts and so on so on and he gets him a job with them but more like a just like a muscle type job you know he's not really in with them but as things progress he gets in with them especially with the daughter of the leader of the family um and also they begin like kind of a relationship type thing that comes to a head towards the end of the book and it's basically they're working against the rival family, which is the Chens. And the thing is, the Anna, who is the daughter, her older brother, Felix, is kind of like, you know, dad sees him as his successor. He's like, you know, he's got that attitude of, well, a woman can't run this, obviously. Yeah, even though his the daughter is clearly, like, much better at this. And the son was and, a putz. Yeah, he's a toll putz. He hangs out with uh, Claudio Chen, I believe that's his name, the, riv the rival's son. and might have this kind of like weird like sexual like incest thing with his sister uh, that was probably my one 
we can get I guess we can get into it later. Like my one negative. Um that's I the I missed that. There I don't really Okay. That, okay, yeah, we can, what one of like the probably the only scene I would say that felt out of place was like I can't remember the exact context, but Anna's recalling this one time that like I guess Cla- she's on the phone with her brother and he makes some comment that I is sort of sexual and she says, Oh god, the things I haven't told like my dad about my brother and I was just like, Wait, what? Like Oh yeah, yikes. Wow. Like it was very like random. Like just it never really addressed again either. Um but yeah, that's the foundation of the of the Chris storyline. Uh, before we yep. get into the other two, I seem to recall something where he was kind of playing both sides of it. Like he was he was publicly working for the Lou family, but he was also feeding information to the other people. Who? Chris. I thought there I remember there being a whole thing where he was also, like, feeding information to the Chen people. He Towards was, the... Like, he was he was publicly working for the, the Lu guy and fucking the daughter, but he was also... It's like, the other way around, because he, he's, like, legit with Anna and the Lu's. Okay, but he was... He was at, at the very beginning, he is, like, a basically double agent type deal. Oh, oh so he was working for them... Within the other yeah. family, okay. Yes, because yeah. what they do remember is um the way he finally gets in with the Lu's is because he tells them that the uh, guy the Chen sent is like a I can't remember he was doing something sketchy and he was American so they kill him and replace him with Chris because oh, right. the uh, Chens don't know what he looks like right. and yeah that's that's probably what you're thinking of yeah that's that's um, exactly what that's exactly what it was I had it reversed okay sure so yeah I mean. One thing I also thought was interesting and kind of why I can see your argument that Chris is actually the main character of this book is that he actually has the most development in it. Because I always thought in the movie with the way Kilmer plays him, he's kind of a meathead and he just follows De Niro around. Um, Oh, yeah, definitely. And he's way more like introspective about the choices he's made to get to this point. He seems to be, you know, he seems to be trying to better himself in the sense, I mean, to be a better criminal, not necessarily to be a better human, but um, he's kind of like, there's a lot of, like, internal dialogue even about how he's trying to, like, learn things about how that system works in Paraguay and all the other countries he's been in so that he can essentially be a better criminal and not just be somebody's fucking stooge all the time. Yeah, and uh, I forgot to mention this, you, like, uh, totally reminded me of it, kind of like speaking of character growth the background thing for chris throughout most of his stuff is that you know his objective at least at the beginning of the book is he eventually wants to be reunited with his wife and son yes um and that you know we'll get to it later it does get resolved uh but then jumping to the next i would say probably the the b plot that ties most into what chris is doing in the present is we go back in time to, I believe, 1988. Um, Hannah is working as a detective in is it Chicago, I believe. Um, See, I thought, uh, I thought all this stuff with Hannah was after movie one. Uh, that's where I got confused. Like, obviously, the stuff with De Niro is prior well, to the film. Well, here's the half of Hannah's stuff is past, half of it's post. Uh, 
Oh, okay. Uh, Post heat one. I that's why I got confused because I thought all of all of Hannah's yeah. stuff was after the film. Uh, yeah, because we see he. I I want to say it's Chicago. I I can't remember what city he, he before he was in L.A. He mentioned basically being from there. I don't know if any part of the story takes place there. He he mentions at one point having been a cop there. Um, I, yeah, I just I, I can't remember off the top of my head what city he was in, but it's not L.A. because we yeah. see you know he eventually quits, and basically what his he's trying to catch this guy called Otis Wardell. Who's this like crazy sociopath that like breaks into houses, uh, like will kill the husband, rape the women, just a you know, total like, yeah, total like freak. Um, and he's trying to capture him. That's basically, you know, part, I would say his part one. And spoiler, Otis ends up getting away. And, you know, Hannah ends up quitting. And that's how he eventually will end up in L.A. Which is for, where the movie takes place. Yeah, where the movie takes place. Then the third story is also takes place in 1988 with uh, Neil and Chris, and this is basically them just in their heyday. They're doing scores. Yep. Um, and at this point, they're involved with a woman called, oh, what's her name? Gabriella, I believe. Gabriella was the daughter's name. Ga- or was it Isabella? Was that the mother? Was, I thought it was Eliza. Eliza, yes, you're right. She, and they're kind of doing stuff, you know, across the border. And this is where there was you start to see he were, they were trying to rob like a Mexican some kind of central bank. Like yes, were... controlled by the cartel. Uh, the heist scene where they rob it is phenomenal. Yeah, I thought that was um, great. They they use like Eliza's cousin to come in and do spotting for them. Uh, I, Michael Mann writes the uh, the scenes of them just like scouting it out and stuff so well, and. Uh, yeah, speaking of character development, we get to really see how Neil becomes the person he is in Heat because, you know, in Heat, his whole thing was, you know, don't be attached to something you can't abandon in 30 seconds or less. That's kind of like his famous saying from the movie. Yep. And you see here, he's in a relationship with Eliza and it's kind of like a proto dad to her daughter. And yep. what ends up happening is this is how we start to see they connect. Otis Wardell, after escaping the clutches of Hannah, he gets word of Neil and Chris's score. Okay. And once it happens, he like comes in, basically fucks it up. He steals all the money, and he kills Eliza. Right? That's right. the... You know, and that's kind of the moment where Neil, like, you know, becomes the Neil we know. You know it's like, right. no more attachments. He gives up all attachments and stuff <clears throat> at that point. Mm-hmm. And then, and then, and then the Neil stuff uh, fast forwards about what fifteen, twenty years, something like that, and he's in L.A. and the Wardell guy shows up again. And he's still, I mean, he's, it's always kind of the, you get the sense it's always been kind of this unsolved case that he had. Um, yeah, and uh, so he sh- the guy shows up in L.A. and. Um, I guess he goes. He happens to go to. I think it was a diner where the, the grown up. She's probably eighteen, nineteen, twenty at this point. Yeah, eighteen, nineteen, twenty, something where, like that. Where the grown up daughter works, and she immediately recognizes him and kind of freaks out and goes to the cops and says, you know, because I think she she knew what his name was. Well, she recognizes him because she did a. 
I believe she saw him when because um she was hiding, what happens she was hiding in their house when yeah and he like killed her uncle I believe yeah he he beat the shit out of an uncle tied to a chair um mm-hmm. if I remember correctly and then he killed and, yeah um, <clears throat> she goes to the police and you know that kind of connects her with Hannah who had at this point had also figured out holy shit Otis Wardell's like back and he's in L A oh and I guess we should mention at this point Wardell he's kind of like a I guess kind of like a pimp running like a sex trafficking organization. He used all the money he stole from Neil it, like, to get an operation of, started in uh, L.A. Hotels or something. Yeah. There was a bunch of stuff about motel fronts for a mm-hmm. prostitution ring, essentially. Um, yep, and yeah, that's what he's doing. Then at the same time, Chris is in L.A. as well because uh, was, basically him was, and Anna are trying to like get this uh, like technology and also i think it was like a missile guidance system or something mm -hmm. and also you know her brother has while they're in la essentially like freezes them out he her brother you know like i said he befriends the chance you know instead of like the rest of his family who's you know who are like hey these are our enemies he befriends them and then the brother from the other family who unlike felix is actually a smart guy he uses the knowledge Felix gives him to basically pull, uh, pull a hit on the dad, right? Right. And so then they start to freeze out Anna. They're freezing her bank accounts, and then Chris and her have the idea: let's just take the missile tracking technology and basically start up our own thing, because she knows if I go back to Paraguay, they'll like, you know, they'll freeze me out forever. I'll, I'll forever be stuck there, basically. Um. And so what happens is Wardell is going for the girl. Hannah is on the girl protecting her and you get basically another shootout on the freeway is what it culminates in. Right. And Chris happens to be in the area because he wants to kill Hannah for killing Neil he's, back in he's 95. Trying, he's been tracking Hannah for a couple of weeks and he wants he's trying to find some opportunity to kill him. Yeah, and he recognizes and so, he recognizes the girl, and tries to basically get her out of it, which I believe he does. Yeah, he yeah he rescues her. Uh, Hannah doesn't see him or Otis during it, and Hannah ends up killing Otis. Yeah, and then really the way it ends from there is Chris. You know, he plans to not abandon Anna, but kind of get out and be with his family. But then he sees when they're in Vegas, like they've kind of moved on and he thinks, fuck, they're probably better off without me. And also he's realized he's also like in love with Anna, who is also in love with him. Yeah. But I think he, and, I think he would have ditched her if, if, uh, if Charlene was by herself. Yeah. Well, I mean, he kind of says like, he doesn't even care that she's with someone, but it's like, he realizes like, her and Dominic are safer, like without him in their lives. Right, you know, if he right. gets back with them, you know, they'll have targets on their backs, and that's yeah. not fair to them. No. And, um. Yeah. So they they decide to start their own like operation. Um. It goes well. He eventually uh basically tricks the uh the Chen son into like coming to meet him, and he kills him and Felix, Anna's brother. Um, yep. Despite Anna telling him not to, he lies to her. Um. Which I thought that was a great like scene the way they handled that, and the Hannah storyline ends with him. Uh, they're reviewing everything that happened, and I think it was like a camera caught a glimpse of Chris. Yeah, so he it it ends kind of with you get the idea that there could be another 
one of these about him basically yeah. trying to find Chris. Yeah, it end, it ends basically the same way it starts because like the opening scene is a uh, Hannah going to Nate's uh, like bar diner place and asking him, you know, tell me what you know. And it ends with them going there, and he's like, "So, what are you not gonna tell me about Chris being back in L.A.?" And that's kind of how it ends. Yeah, leaving open room for a sequel, which I did not expect. I figured, you know, no, I figured it would he be would, shut. I figured he would close everything off. I thought that was the point of this. Um, but yeah, know. that's a rough just outline of what happens. Um, but yeah, things I liked, kind of like we mentioned, Hannah's just written so well. Um, yeah, I did like the uh, kind of side story they do of a. Uh, Chris and Charlene's kind of like their origin story where she yeah. was working as an escort in uh, Vegas and he like kind of rescued her out of it. Yep. I think, yeah, I like that too. I think the problem I had was it it jumped back and forth too much at certain points. Mm. I was just yeah, like, I could see that not working I, for some people. And I, mean, and I still ended up enjoying it, but at certain points I had to almost like write down the dates that certain chapters were in, like, okay, well, now we're here again, okay, you know, um, but, I mean, it largely worked for me any, in spite of stuff like that, which I would say would be a minor hang-up, um, yeah, in the, uh, in the hardcover, it would be, like, you know, part one, and then it would say what year it takes place in, since, I mean, basically, it's into, like, man will typically do, like, I don't know, eight, ten chapters in one time frame, then jump to the next one, et cetera, et cetera, Oh, the the e-reader version had that too, but I read it over you know a couple of days, and then I would pick up a section in the middle, and then I'd be like, "Which time period is this in again?" Okay, you know, but right, I, I I thought it worked fairly well, and I could I could see this working as a film, um, but I do think I'd be curious how he does it. Yeah, yeah, but I do think, like you said, it would be difficult to you'd almost have to recast the three leads because. You know, it doesn't take place. Parts of it are before Heat, and then parts of it are only a couple of years after. So I don't think you could have, like you said, eighty-year-old De Niro playing. Hannah well, yeah, and, and the first, the first time we see Hannah, I mean, it takes place literally like five seconds after Heat ends. Yeah. Um. So unless, unless man was willing to pay for like that weird computer de-aging stuff, I don't know how you would actually do that. Um. Yeah. But. Yeah, I'm fine with it just being a book. Personally, yeah. I don't oh, I am a movie because I think, I think too. The problem is it's at least for De Niro and and Pacino, it's like two of the most recognizable actors for those types of movies. And then if you recast it, it's just like, oh, you're gonna have some other people essentially doing impressions of those two. Like, yeah, no, no. Um, yeah, but enjoyable book. Um, I'd recommend it to anyone who was a fan of the fan of the f- movie, of course. Um, Definitely. And anyone who's a fan of anything Michael Mann does, anyway, is probably going to make an effort to seek it out. Um, I actually had completely forgotten it was coming out until you said you had it, and then I went and looked for it, and the version. Yeah, I've been really hyped for it. Yeah, and then the version for the thing that I used came out like two weeks later. I was like, son of a bitch. Um, but it actually re you know, it was, I think in print, it's like 480 pages or so. And it read fairly quickly for me. So it wasn't like, yeah, it was a quick read grant. I was like also really into it. So that definitely helped like, you know, going through it. Um, but yeah, here's the question. I'm curious. How much of the book do you think Michael Mann actually wrote? Um, 
I would wonder if, because I mean, he did, he did have a co-writer. I don't know who Meg Gardner is. Like, I've never... I looked her up. She's mostly... She's known for writing lots of crime books, so stuff along this these lines, I would assume. Right. So I wonder if he's if he's credited because he wrote it as a script and she took the script and turned it into this book. Hmm. You know, I mean, I have not looked into like how they wrote it. I looked for interviews and couldn't find anything. This is just pure speculation. I would think, you know, obviously the plot is a hundred percent him. Like he. You know, oh yeah, yeah. I don't think anyone would question that. But, and I would also say, like all the dialogue, I, I would have to think is him. I mean, it reads just like Michael Mann dialogue. Yeah. Where I think Meg near helped would well one just be like general helping him structure it since you know a movie script is different from a book, obviously, right. and just scenes where like non-talking scenes. I would bet she wrote a lot of like. You know, stuff describing, like, you know, the scene where Chris is, like, you know, following Hannah in his car, where there's not dialogue, per se. You know, writing that for a script is way different than writing it for a book. Right, you know, it's, a script, it's essentially just directions. Yeah, it would be like, a, a, it book, would be like a stage direction thing of, like, Chris's yeah. car following him, you know, would be... Yeah, awesome. well, as in a book, it has to actually be, like, you know, it is the narrative. Yeah. And, you know, I thought all that stuff was done really well, and it went surprise me if you know a seasoned writer like her did more handled that stuff oh i would bet that's exactly what you know maybe he maybe he outlined it and then he gave her all the dialogue and said you know write around this <laughs> mm -hmm. you know but uh yeah i mean i would i would if he if they did another one i would read it um, yeah, that was, I was going to ask you, do you think he will make a third one? I think he will. Uh, I don't know. I mean, it depends on what the, you know, the metrics of book sales are completely different than the metrics for movies. I don't know. Yeah. Like. Yeah, I was reading, apparently he did sign a two novel deal with uh, whoever published this. I, I don't know. I mean, I would assume okay. it's selling well. I, I have no idea. If yeah, it did, if he signed but... a multi-book deal with them, he, and, and if he ended it this way. He probably intends to do another one. Um, yeah, because it, it really is one of those, like, it could be, you know, there's no more after this, but it also, like, leaves the door open. Yeah, unless he has another idea for something else he wants to do as a book. Um, but yeah, I mean, I would be, you know, and I, obviously following the, the economics of movies is way easier than the economics of books. I mean, there are yeah. websites and... and news articles endlessly devoted to box office takes and everything. I, I mean, I sort of, I sort of have a vague idea of how book economics work, but I don't know at what point, you know, plus if he, well, if he decides to make another movie or whatever, and he can't get to the book for another two years because he's doing a film, like at what point does the publisher just go, you know what? We don't. And that, I think that's where you would find out like, how much of these he's how much of it he's actually writing and how much of it is written by the other person because you know if he's doing some say he's making that Ferrari movie right in another year or two and the publisher asks him for okay you can do number three now and then you know does he just hand has he already written basically a script that he can just hand this woman and go okay we'll create the book around this like you did the other one. And then I can go finish this movie, or 
Does it have to wait until we're done with the movie and then they sit down and do whatever the process actually is? Uh, yeah, I'd be curious because, I mean, I'd imagine, say he is going to do a third book, I'd imagine he has at least the plot mostly figured out, oh, yeah. I would think. Um, I would wonder. Just, I would just wonder a matter of got to write it. <laughs> I would wonder if he signed a two-year, a two-book deal with whoever this publisher is, and it was understood that both of those books would be sequels to Heat, then I would not be shocked if he's basically got the whole, both both books plotted out already. And it's yeah. quite and of... I, yeah, I did read an interview where he said, just like, right now I'm feeling just so creative, you know, I want to write as much as I can, you know, and I'm all for that, you know, big Michael Mann fan. Plus, he is, you know, he is 79 years old. Is so. he? Wow. Okay, I was So he's probably you. figuring, hey, you know, might as well get as much as I can out while I still can. I knew he was older. I didn't realize he was pushing 80. Okay. Um, and yeah, I mean, my favorite movie of his definitely Heat. I think The Insider comes close for me. Um, that's the only one. I mean, I like a couple of, like, I like... Uh, I actually, I'm in the minority that actually likes Public Enemies. Um, I don't remember that being well thought of at the time. Yeah, that one's that one in Blackheart, like the two that aren't well received. Which, funny enough, online people people have been doing like reassessments of Blackheart now. Like, think it's good. I honestly, I saw it once in Cath. I was eh. I thought it was terrible. Blackhead. Yeah, it's definitely one I I do want to retry because a lot of people who uh, whose opinion I do respect have been like, nah, give it give it a second watch. It might play better. So yeah, maybe. He's definitely his best movie. Yeah, he did my favorite. He did collateral, right? I was about to say Heater Collateral is probably I, my favorite. I think Collateral is Collateral's really good, and I actually would put that over. Mm. Honestly, I, if I'm just being honest for like entertainment value, I would probably put that over The Insider. Um, but I do think mm. that one is. I do think that one is easier for general audiences than like Heat is. Oh yeah, like or. Or something like The Insider is, where it's basically an almost three-hour movie sitting there talking about the morality of smoking, you know? Right. Uh, which which yeah. I love, because Crow's great in it, and Pacino's great in it, but oh yeah, yeah I think Collateral is his most digestible thing for, Definitely. for and, audiences. And, and Ali, maybe, just because of Will Smith. Yeah. I mean... Plus, Collateral gives Tom Cruise, like, one of the coolest looks ever for just a character. Yeah. Yep. The... We should... We should do the dyed hair. If we ever, if oh we yeah, ever I'd be do, down. If we ever do the, um, I know Josh had talked about doing, you know, series of pods on the movies of certain directors. He's definitely somebody that we should do. Um, yeah, somebody. We should do like a, you know, we go through a director's filmography, then have like a final podcast where I don't know, we rank it or something. Yeah, that's a good idea. We something like that. that. Yeah. Um, and Michael Mann. I mean, he hasn't done. I think he's done what. 10 movies so it wouldn't take super long like um, some other we, directors we talked about guy doing guy Ritchie. i think that was the original idea that he would be the one we would try it with um but man might actually be easier just because it's probably less movies and and they're mo mostly good <laughs> yeah i was gonna say mostly good movies so um <laughs> mostly good's great yeah so yeah i really enjoyed this book and uh thank you for uh you were like I said, you were the one who made me aware that it even existed. So, um, and I knew the minute that we were both reading it, I knew we were going to do one of these recordings on it. Um, so, and I think this is actually the first thing you and I have ever done without anybody else. 
Um, oh, interesting. So. Two firsts. Oh. First book review and first oh. Just Us review. You and I are, you know, you and I, I think, read more than anybody else does in that group. Oh, definitely. Um, I mean, I, I think I'm on 30 books. I would have to look. 30 books for the year, something like, like that. I think I'm on, like, 35 um, yeah, I just reread the uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood novel. Yeah. You, you would probably like that. I, I was gonna get that actually. Uh, we're we're going on a cruise in a couple weeks, and I was gonna load up some books. Yeah, because um, the last cruise we went on, or we went on one a couple years ago to Ireland, Scotland, and it was like a week and a half or two weeks or something. I read, oh yeah, perfect time. <laughs> I read something like fifteen books on the boat. It was amazing. Yeah. I think we had mentioned it once somewhere before. You should definitely read that. Uh, I will review every single one with you. The Expanse. That is like my all-time favorite. I was going to ask you about that. Um, I've never read the books or watched the show. I have interest in doing both. Would you suggest reading the books first? I mean, I think the books are just so much better, in my okay. opinion. Okay. Um, like, whereas I would say, for example, Game of Thrones... The books and show are both good, and the fans typically like both. Well, at least the first five seasons of Game of Thrones that are, you know, follow the books. Right. The Expanse. I mean, most fans think like the show is quite a step down. A lot of fans would don't even like the show. Um, I would definitely read the books first. But I mean, yeah, The Expanse is not only my favorite book series. Like I've always said, if you had to like make me rank my say for example my top 10 favorite movies my top 10 favorite tv shows books comic series like all in one mega list i honestly think the expanse is my favorite like fictional story ever told like it wow. is just my favorite characters in the world just ever that built is, it's is, like you know um, sci yeah everyone knows sci-fi is my favorite drama i think this is the best sci-fi story that, ever that is high praise uh, yeah you are you are somebody whose opinion I respect, so I will. That is something I will definitely because I was sort of towing the line on the books, and I was just like, I don't know, should I watch the show first? I don't know, and uh, I think I'll give the books a spin in the next, or I'll at least sit down and read the first one in the next couple weeks. Um, mm -hmm. I just started. Yeah, first. I just started something else because I just finished. Um, I just finished the Heat book, and Justin was doing the. The terminal list on audiobooks. I was like, ah, screw it. I'll. Just, I wanted to read that after we reviewed the show, so um, I'm actually reading that right now. I knocked out the first hundred ten pages today. So. Oh, nice. I'm reading a. So what, have you you've seen a drive? Right. Drive. Yeah. Or no, actually, you know what? I've I've started that. I never actually. Oh it. my goodness! That that's a movie we have to review. That yeah. is one of my all time favorite movies. I'm reading the uh, book it's based on. Oh really? I didn't know right now. Yeah. I will have to do that one of these weeks. Um, yeah, that I'll review that one. That that's one of my favorite movies. Yeah. Just period. Why don't we? We should. Um, we should make a list of. That's a good idea. You just kind of gave me the format for the. For the um, director series things, if we ever do that, so um, we should make a list, maybe in the movies chat thread on our Discord, of all the different directors we'd want to do, um, and maybe with some of them, like you said, if it's somebody who has a bunch of movies, maybe we cut it off at like, you know, we each come up with our favorite fifteen or twenty, and we make like a master list and go like, yeah. how many of these do we like? Yeah. Like just an example off the top of my head, you know, if we decide to do Alfred Hitchcock, I think we can skip like you know his final yeah. 
10 movies which were all mostly bad and forgettable <laughs> well because my first just yeah my first thought was somebody like spielberg and it was like do we want to review every single freaking spielberg movie probably not but you know he does have a lot of winners but at the same mm-hmm. time it's like we'd be doing that forever <laughs> um yeah, I mean, it'd be like one thing if we could say, say for example, we did Spielberg. We just we hard commit to like one a week. If you can't make it that week, that's fine. You'll just be on for the next one you can, and you know, I feel like that would keep it going at a yeah. decent we enough could pace. Also, do like one a month, depending on if there's other if it's a month where there's a bunch uh, of other releases that we want know we want to deal. With. True. Um, and you know, I'm sure there are some weeks we could do like two or three, for example. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we'll have to. Yeah. You know, we'll. I, I think the starting point is, you know, um, come up with the director we want to do and then have every, have everybody sit down and, you know, make like a list of, okay, if this guy's done 15 movies, say, what are your favorite 10? And then we'll sit down mm-hmm. and figure out how many of these we actually want to do, how many of them we think we can get good conversations out of. And then your ending suggestion of like, okay, then we take all the ones we did and we rank, we like comparatively rank them. Um, yeah, that's a good idea. So maybe we'll start. We'll start putting one of those together. Maybe we'll figure out who the first person we want to do is. Um, I would actually suggest Peter Jackson because we've already done a buttload of his movies. Yeah, I mean we've done four of the Lord of the Rings things already. All we would really have to do is like Heavenly Creatures, The Frighteners, King Kong, King Kong. Uh, the Lovely Bones. Maybe if people want to sit through that. And then the other ring. all of his Beatles movies. <laughs> well, the 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 World War One documentary, I guess. Oh yeah, I never saw that. One. It was very good. Um, I do want to see that. It yeah, was very good. I would highly recommend that if you're up for that kind of thing. It was excellent. That's definitely up my alley. Yeah, the Beatles thing. I've seen. I've seen probably the first two and a half hours of it. Um, it, I can't. Uh, yeah. What I've seen, I've liked, yeah. and I and I don't really like the Beatles music either. that much. Yeah, I but I do find like you, their story very interesting. I can't remember if you were on one of the pods where I told this story, but we went to you know my you met my brother Tim, right? You were on one of the I think you were on one of the shows. Uh, I believe so. Yeah. Okay, so he lives in San Antonio, mm-hmm. Texas, and so Corey and I go out there. Maybe for there was a stretch we were probably going out there once a year. And these days, mm-hmm. probably once every two years or whatever. And so we went there last Christmas to visit. And my mom was also there. And she is a huge Beatles person. And when I knew this thing was coming out, you know, and I figured she's done her homework on this to a degree because she loves the Beatles and whatever. Um, and I knew it was seven hours long or whatever it was, because I think it is about that long. And... uh I asked my mother before we all met up in Texas, I was like, do you want me to set, you know, get it so that you can get Disney Plus in your, in your house for like a month and then you can watch this thing, watch this thing on your own time or whatever? And she goes, oh, no, I'm staying with your brother while we're in Texas. I can just watch it while we're there. And so we started it one day and we got, like I said, maybe two and a half hours in. And my mother was like, why isn't this over yet? I don't. I don't get why they haven't gotten to the rooftop thing yet. I said, Mom, there's another, like, four and a half hours of this. And she's like, really? Oh, my God. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that would be, that one might be, you know, maybe we don't do that one because it's, that, I mean, I would, I would sit through it, 
but I don't know how we I don't know how you review something like that, especially if you're a bunch of people that probably don't really give a shit about the Beatles. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's weird. Like I I don't really like their music that much, but I do find like their story, like the documentaries yeah. and stuff, very interesting. And they do have a cultural impact that you would be kind of oh yeah, no doubt to ignore. So yeah, whether you like or love hate or love them, yeah. Yeah, so I would expect we can. We'll figure out a roadmap for a director's, you know, for a director's series thing with somebody in the near future. Yeah. Um, yeah, we can do that. Um, I had also talked, I can't remember if I talked to Justin or Josh. I assume you would probably want to be in on this one, maybe not, or, you know, us and Brent doing it. The uh, top 10, like, greatest duos ever in comics in terms of, like, writer artist. Um, I had suggested that one. Like, for example, say you think number one is a, uh, Stan Lee, Jack Kirby, or uh, Alan Moore, Dave Gibbons, or Jeff Johns, whoever. I'm not, I mean, I could do that, but I'm not really a huge art guy. So, like, I know, you know, I know who a lot of the big artists are, but I don't, I don't pay as much attention to the pairings and whatever as other people might. So I might not be a good resource for that, but that's a good idea. You guys should definitely do that. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> That's an excellent idea, and I, I've always been of the belief, and it's why I did the why I did the pull list thing when we first started doing this back in the day. Was I don't think I don't think comics get enough notice now beyond like as fuel for those movies and everything. Um, yeah, I mean, I know it's not an American comic, but I do like that. Uh, Josh, uh, Milos, and I are reviewing uh, like the Dragon Ball like actual manga, not, and Josh and I are reviewing the uh, Naruto manga, which I know like not an American comic, but yeah, I definitely want to read more of them. I've not listened to any of those because I've never read that, obviously. But I'm I'm curious to listen to those just because you know I figure it's something that I don't ever hear a lot about. I feel like there's you know you could definitely open up some uh, interesting. Yeah, because I still have to listen to the thing you and Josh did on the presidents. Oh, yeah. just so long i haven't been able to find like, next time you have a long drive yeah, somewhere know, right? uh maybe you yeah. know what maybe i'll take my ipod on the plane to greece and listen to those um, yeah so i think we could review uh, i had mentioned in the comic books channel the uh i, I want to read and review that uh well i have right okay. now but the yeah, uh right. alex ross fantastic four comic now can um, now you so you read it is it do we think it's in continuity somewhere, or is it just some side? Uh, I mean, it's basically just a standalone, more or less. Like, it could be. I mean, yeah, but I, I believe it's meant to be, like, a standalone yeah, there, thing. There's nothing that calls out where it would be placed, I'm sure. Um, I mean, I I guess technically it would be set during the, like, Stan Lee, Jack Kirby. It's, it's essentially almost like a retelling of one of their stories in a way. Um, I don't want to like get too much into spoilers, but it's very much like the if it's in continuity, it absolutely takes place during the Silver Age of comics, oh, yeah. Fantastic Four time. I'll have to see yeah. if that's on Comicsology and whatever, and maybe I'll pick that up and read it. Yeah, I have got, and then uh, I have gotten into some of the newer runs lately, so I feel like I should go back and like I read I read all of uh, Dan Slott's stuff in recent months. Um, uh, I think for me the the best run besides Lee and Kirby I've always thought was a uh, Hickman. I don't know if you've read I that one. I have it. I have not. That one's really yeah. good. I have it. I haven't read it yet. I have it. Everything, probably everything that starts. I think I think Straczynski had a run before him. I think I have everything from Straczynski onward, but I've only read the most recent 
slot stuff. So I will have to go back and do that. What I'm at, I've what I've actually been putting together lately is um, the whole Marvel continuity, like a reading order sort of thing. At least for all the stuff that I know I have, um, and mm-hmm. it's pretty huge. And I, yeah. I haven't actually started. You know, I'm gonna at some point just start from the beginning of it and just go because um, I just keep adding. Yeah, I just keep adding to it every because I find sites that like establish what the order is and. Even, yeah, with Marvel, it's much easier. It's like pick a character and like you can basically start from the beginning and go to present. Right. Yeah. These, Way easier than DC. <laughs> yeah. Well, I've given up trying to figure that out. I mean, I. Uh, I think so. Have they? <laughs> I picked up. I started reading DC with the new Fifty Two just because it was easier as a. It was easier as a jumping on point to be like, okay, well, there's this. Okay, Batman number one, cool. Rather than, you know. I knew there were like yeah. 775 installments of Batman before that. And I'm like, but I'm not going to go back right. and try to figure all that out. You know? Yeah. I mean, uh, what I always tell people, and this is what I do at this point, since the continuity is just so messed up, I just pick a run you like, or if you're interested, just find, you know, a run that's well liked and just read it. You'll probably pick up on everything. There might be one or two things you need to Google in terms of like, wait, where was this person during like the continuity at this time? But yeah. Yeah. Excellent. And uh, yeah. So yeah, we'll we'll the first book review. <laughs> yeah, that was interesting. Um, yeah. we can definitely review more. I, I enjoyed that. I think we can do more. Yeah, it would just. I think we all sort of read different things, so it's. Yeah. Now I feel like you and I are mostly the only ones who like consistently read books. Yeah. You know, I know Justin. Or we could get Brent on to read the old uh, Star Wars books. I know he's he loves those. Yes, I mean, especially like I feel like. Pardon me. Now that you say that, and I, I, it's not like I've had this thought before now, but especially looking at all the, all the stuff with the Disney Plus shows right now seems to be, seems to be uh, building towards something with Grand Admiral Thrawn in it. So part of me wants to. Review the original Zontril. The OGs, yeah, yeah, that'd be fun. That would be fun. Yeah, because I mean, yeah, I'll be honest. Disney Stars is kind of like it's not even that I hate it. I just like I just don't care anymore for the most part. Depends um, on the show. But like that that old EU stuff, like yeah. still, it depends you know, on. I still like. It depends on the show. I I like um I like Mandalorian. Boba Fett was garbage. Uh, Obi Wan had moments. I um, yeah. I'm I'm. Curious about this Andor thing, which starts next week, I believe. Uh, Weirdly, um, this is just based on things I've read in you know trailers. If I had to put money, I think Andor will end up somehow being the best one. Well, yeah, because I think it's gonna. I I think. Did, did Did you see the thing I put in the the chat today uh, about that? I saw you put something on there, and then I I commented on it and said, like oh. oh i'm looking forward to the idea yeah yeah <laughs> where some shill was mad that it doesn't have shit tons of like hey remember this easter yeah. eggs well, that's because cashy and andor is not connected to any of that shit so, yeah like, they're like oh, how am i supposed to get invested i'm like well i don't know maybe you can't get invested in like the characters and story maybe because <laughs> you know maybe you like the best movie they've made in the last 10 years which had that character in it i don't know yeah. Rogue One is for me easily the best of the the Disney movies. Uh, uh yeah, I guess. I mean, because yeah, I don't really like the sequel trilogy I that mean, much. Force but, Awakens yeah. decent, but Rogue One to me is the best thing they've done. Um, yeah, I mean, 
Yeah, I mean, the third act of that movie, I'd take over any of the sequel trilogy movies, personally. Easily. Yeah, not even close. Yeah. All right. Um, as far as other things I know we're working on, um, I don't think we're going to have a Lower Decks a Star Trek review show this week just because of the scheduling of it all. And with the right now, we're primarily reviewing one of the half-an-hour cartoons because that's what's on the air right now. Um, and we've I think we found that... Um, we did one of those for, I think it was the first three episodes of the new season, and we found it actually came in shorter than some of our reviews of single episodes have, so it might actually work better to stack up a couple of them. Um, I know that uh, Justin just released a, it's only about 12 minutes, um, he, he went and saw Clerks 3, one of those Fathom Events showings last night, um, so he did like a 12 he, he- he took one for the team to see that I one. Will, allegedly, I will see it. Um, say what you will about Kevin Smith's output these days, but I've always found the Clerks movies to be the most consistently entertaining of those. Yeah, Clerks is amazing. I actually don't think I've seen Clerks two, so I have to yeah. go see that. Clerks two is not bad. I I, de- I can I listen to his review even though I haven't seen it yet. I don't plan on seeing it until it hits digital video because the only uh. There is a theater here in town that has it, but it's like a $25 ticket, and it's a theater that I hate. I don't want to, you know, and like... Understandable. I have a rule where something has to be at least, you know, has to be close to two hours for me. Two out, you know, probably like an hour 50 or over to be worth going to a theater to see. And this is, I think this thing is like 80 minutes. Probably like 90 minutes, yeah. yeah. So I was just like, yeah, no, I like the Clark stuff, but I'm going to wait on that. Yeah, and, and given Smith's uh, recent movies, odds are, you know, sadly, that's probably not oh, that the, good. Uh, the Jane Silent Bob reboot movie was awful. Oh, God, yeah, I, I, was, I saw that. I was really looking forward to that. I thought it was a cool idea, and it was just awful. Um, and I've, gen- yeah. I've generally been a fan of his, you know, especially his early product, probably up through... No, before he started getting weird and making shit like Red State, um, I actually liked pretty much everything he did before that. Um, uh, yeah, for the most yeah. part. But I know we're uh, gonna... once once Yoga Hosers came out, you knew uh, this is that's over. That's the one I haven't seen, and I refuse to. Oh god, that's that's the worst one. Most I, people will say. I tried the Walrus one. I actually own the Walrus one. I got like halfway through it, and I'm like, this is ridiculous. Um. And I know it's based on some weird story he got on one of his podcasts or whatever. I remember listening to the the podcast where he first brought it up and having no thought that it would ever have a movie made, like some weird body ho- body horror movie made out of it. Um, but uh, yeah, so and I uh, we are probably looking at reviewing uh, that new Stallone movie on Amazon, Samaritan. Uh, just because oh, yeah. Milos and Justin have seen it, and I was planning on watching it tonight, actually, so that we could maybe do something on it in the near future. I also have, uh, I rented Nope, finally, which... I still haven't seen I that one. I wanted Okay, though. I thought you had. Okay. No, I had not. I believe only Josh had. I don't know I if think. he did either, because I think, uh, I think Sarah's cousin was in town or something and wanted to go. And I don't think they ever did. And I was bugging him because he doesn't—he didn't really want to go. And I was bugging him like, "Go, we'll get a show out of it." You know, like 
why is that even a question? Um, I also rented, and I had no idea this was a thing until I saw the trailer on YouTube last week. There's a new Fletch movie with John Hamm. Um, which, really? Yeah, I did not know it's that. It's called Confess Fletch. And I just saw a thing for it on Facebook this afternoon and was like, I can just go rent this right now? Oh, I like John Hamm, and I like the whole Fletch thing. That's cool. I know they had talked about a a third movie for many years with, like, Zach Braff doing it for a while, and it just kind of died. And then to see this come out of nowhere, I was like, oh, that's interesting. So I'll, I'm going to be watching that next day or two. Maybe I'll do a solo on that. Um, I also rented that Idris Elba movie with The Lion. Um, oh, I saw that. Oh, really? Okay, maybe I'll knock that out, too, and we can... Do something on that as well because I think that's still in theaters right now, so we could probably get that out reasonably. Possibly, well, yeah. my a couple of my my local theaters still have it, so we could definitely. Yeah, there's not much new stuff no, right now. It's kind of a dead period. I I saw that Olivia Wilde movies come out next weekend. I'm I'm on the border of being just well, the one with all the controversy. Yeah, I'm <laughs> yeah. on the border of just being curious enough to go see it. Um. Well, the thing is, like, the controversy is, like, really, you know, it's it's very interesting to read up, but every review I've read kind of says it's, like, the movie's, like, eh. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> she doesn't strike me as, um, you know, from... from. I liked her, uh, didn't she direct Booksmart? I did like did, that movie. I, I will admit, I did not um, see that. Um, okay. But, you know, that, that does strike me as the kind of thing that... And I have heard good things about that. I just, you know... Yeah, that one was good. The, the I comparison I kept hearing about that movie was super bad, and I didn't really like super bad much. I was just like, uh, yeah, it's definitely like the same yeah, style. Do I really need super bad with teenage girls if I didn't like the original movie that much. <laughs> um, but don't worry, darling. I'm at least thinking about going to see. Um, and maybe mm-hmm. if we if we had a couple people do that, we could review that. Um, I'm definitely, and this is a couple weeks out, but I'll definitely be at Black Adam opening weekend and we do sort of oh. we do sort of when the when <laughs> yeah, when the hierarchy of the DC universe changes forever yeah uh, well i love that tagline i keep seeing it everywhere well from everything i'm seeing these days i mean who the fuck knows what's going on with that cuz um yeah that's like one of those movies like it's weird that it's this close but i feel like there's no one like talking about it yet i'm well, sure they'll ramp it I up think the, as it gets closer um, i think the problem they have is because they've moved all their other, like all the stuff around it has been moved back. Like the Shazam movie was supposed to come out in December. They moved that to March. Uh, Aquaman two was supposed to come out next March. They moved that to Christmas 23. I mean, I think right now they just look like a house fire. So like if you're right, if I were them, I'd be promoting the hell out of this black Adam thing. Cause I'd be like, Hey, look, Everything else may be a shit show, but we have this thing coming out with the biggest movie star on the planet. Go see it. Um, and yeah. it doesn't seem like they have much interest in doing that. Um, plus, they're canceling all the... Not that any of the CW stuff at this point is high art or anything, but they're canceling all that stuff, pretty much. Uh, yeah. Stargirl just got canceled uh, within the last week or two. They're, they're even canceling movies that aren't theirs, you know, like The People's Joker. <laughs> yeah, so... So what was that? That was some sort of like parody thing that they filed a cease and desist on, pretty much. Yeah, from my understanding, everything I've read, the movie like it absolutely does fall under like fair use parody, but 
Warner Brothers obviously doesn't want the Joker associated with, you know, just anything that's controversial. So they're just basically sending the cease and desist, hoping that, like, you know, independent filmmaker that probably is broke and has no money to fight this in court, just end it there. Can't go up against Warner Brothers' legal team. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Definitely corporate bullying, but we shall see. Well, I saw something today, you know, amid all the, all the, the turmoil they have going on there right now with the new ownership of the Discovery thing. Apparently, uh, NBC Universal wants to put in a takeover bid for for who? For for Warner Brothers. Really? Yeah. And I, it sounds like uh, Warner Brothers Discovery is in such a financial hole they might actually consider it. So I don't know what that Damn. what that would end up meaning for. Uh, but but weren't they? I can't remember. Weren't they bought by AT and T? Weren't AT and T? AT and T bought it, bought Warner Brothers, and then sold it off to Discovery. To Discovery, okay, that was yeah. it. But like, that's interesting. Like, didn't they just sell it too? Like, yeah, didn't it only it's just go through? It's I been thought a couple of months. Probably. Damn, but I think crazy. the problem is. The people who are in charge of Discovery don't know how to handle like the kind of stuff that Warner Brothers does. They know how to handle like low rent reality reality TV shows. Yeah, so, like they don't. I don't think they have anybody there who has any clue how to make big time movies or or like high end TV shows or anything. Like that. The first thing they did was you know when they assumed ownership of TNT and TBS, they basically stopped all their production of scripted programming like immediately and it's like okay they had some pretty good shows going on there but okay you know you, you do that owner. yeah it's, it's it's interesting yeah dc's just in a such a weird place watch with all their watch ownership Disney swoop in and buy them jeez i mean at this point wouldn't even surprise me no it really wouldn't i mean <laughs> that would be like Comic nerd Armageddon, because I'm not even, I'm not even sure what they would do with that. Like, would you put, you know, Batman next to Spider Man, or would you just like bury all the DC stuff forever? I don't know. Um, they do the, uh, the what was it, Amalgam verse? Oh yeah, that that <laughs> stuff was weird and terrible, and somehow, yeah, <laughs> somehow a lot of people still liked it anyway. Um, which I have never really figured out why, but okay. So I think we're good here with the first. I think I'll call this like B Team Book Club or something. And uh, maybe, yeah, that's a good maybe name. We'll start a maybe not semi regular, but we'll start to look at doing more every now and yeah, then. We'll start looking at doing more of these. Um, maybe I'll next couple weeks I'll read that first Expanse book, and we'll maybe we'll do another one of these at that point. So yeah, definitely. Thanks for joining me, man. This was fun. Yeah, for sure. Excellent. Later. Peace.